it's time for the two news talking sports weekly huddle now let's join the guys as they break down the aggies cougars and Utes. it's time for another edition of the weekly huddle frank dolce is here representing the university of utah yes. way to show up in tough times frank. the one constant and here for BYU, the glory hog, the best, best yeah. road win <laughs> now he shows in like up. 25 years. Look no, no, in defense, in defense of, <laughs> in defense of hands, and by the way, it's not in 25 years. It's in 35 years, mm -hmm. since 1984. Hans Olsen is here, not because he's a glory hog. I mean, he kind of is a little bit, but because Alema Harrington picked the wrong week to go to the yeah, islands. I, I love this. Alema. <laughs> yeah. The best game in two years, oh, yeah. and the Lima's not here. Dilemma. You think that was the best win since 84? Is that what you just said? Top 10 team beaten no. in a true road game. What Third ranked Pitt 1984. Oklahoma, neutral field. Semi-neutral, oh, I get so that. So you're going on the, okay. So the, the Miami game. The Miami game That was a home game. game. I, yeah, that's a home game, but that was Miami. It was. It was a great win. It was a great I'm win. And the Nebraska yeah. win was a great win, but this was a top 10 team. It's a good, very good win. Okay, hand scale of 1 to 10. How shocked are you? A 10. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't prepared for that win. I don't think many people were prepared for that win. But as you watched it play out and you saw that they were winning in the trenches and they were winning with scheme, it became yeah. more and more apparent that they were prepared and ready and deserved it. When the first time it occurred to you they had a chance, for me, it was a touchdown drive to tonight at 7-7 because of what you said. There was no trickeration, as they like to say. It was like... We're coming for you. It was just fly sweeps. The end zone. Fly yeah. sweeps and then some power play. Right. But that, I don't think a fly sweep is, the fly sweep is tricky. That just keeps you on. Oh, no, no. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's just it's just something that's going to hit the outsides and yeah. something that a defense should be ready for. Yeah. When did you think they had a chance? When the field goal went wide left? <laughs> no. No. I, I watched that game, and then I listened to a lot of it, and I didn't think that BYU could consistently win at the line of scrimmage. And when they kept doing that, when they kept winning the battle at the line of scrimmage, and, and Squally Canada, who I think is a nice back, but I don't think he's a 10-plus yard average per carry type of back, when he's doing stuff like that, and, and they're not making mistakes on the offensive side, and their punting game is working, and they're winning the battle of field position, all of those things seem to, seem to converge. I thought that Wisconsin had a comeback in them, but every time, BYU responded. All right, so the uh, the interception, was that really the turning point when BYU got the upper hand and kept it, even at 21-all after that? The interception and uh, the Wisconsin drive, maybe another play where they jump offside on fourth and one. I thought those were two huge mistakes by the Badgers in the third quarter. The, the interception is huge. Turnovers are huge. And if you look at that game, it's so, it's so odd because statistically, BYU lost like every statistical category in that yeah. game, including penalties. They lost the, the battle of penalties mm -hmm. in not, that not game. But here's not what they won. Team. They won the turnover margin. And I still say that turnover margin is the most important stat in, in college football. I don't think that was the determining factor in this game, but I thought it was big. And that interception certainly was big in that football game. You know, you bring up the the thought who when they got the upper hand i don't think they really ever had the upper hand i just think it was it was neck and neck it was anybody's game all the way down to the missed field goal but where i felt like they grabbed some of the momentum and where i started to feel like okay they really could win this game wisconsin's not just going to run away with it in the fourth it was the fourth and one stop 
where Wisconsin jumped off sides because they were so sick of dealing with Corbin Kafusi, and they thought they needed to get that extra jump, so they jumped the count, they get the offsides, they go back to fourth and six. They get a little bit of pressure, and Hornibrook overthrows his receiver, and it was four and out, BYU gets the ball back. At that point, I thought, you take them out of their power situation, out of the fourth and one, you already had them on the ropes because they're trying to jump the count because Corbin was kicking their butt up front. And then he overthrows. He didn't make the play. And I felt at that point, BYU's got the momentum now going into the fourth, yeah. and they can close it out. But at no point did I feel like oh, it was one, one guy over. or the other right. had the upper hand. Not, not, to, not to bring down the victory at all. Such a you thing to do, don't you think, Hans? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what, are you I should, say? what I mean to say is Dirty no offense. <laughs> I said no offense. Yeah. I'm curious because I thought there was some interesting play calling by Wisconsin. And why are you throwing the ball in that situation? I didn't think Hornibrook looked that great right. in, in that football game. So I'm, I am curious to see how Wisconsin plays through Going the forward? Yes, Yeah, I sure. think it's a. I, I think that BYU certainly exposed Wisconsin. That's a very beatable football team, especially in their conference. Not to take anything away from the BYU victory, which was very, very good. Okay, so. Uh, a couple things here. If you look at the win over Arizona and the win over Wisconsin, what did they have in common on the road? The average score in college football now, 30, 31 points, seems to be where it's settling, which is up about a touchdown over a decade and a half ago. BYU scored 28 points and 24 points in one. Still below average offensively. The defense, I mean, we're talking about the offense, but the defense, to make 28 and 24 winning scores, you're playing some real defense there. And also credit to the offense. The yardage totals aren't great, but very efficient in the red zone. They don't settle for field goals. They don't take sacks and drop passes and commit penalties that kill drives. They had the one field goal, but they've had seven touchdowns in those two games. This, this one was a little bit different, or quite a bit different from the Arizona game. There was an effort by the coaching staff. They, they knew that Wisconsin was going to try to push them into the fourth and wear them down. In that second defensive drive for BYU, there was a full rotation of the defensive front. So you rotated out your starters and you put in your second group. Now, Wisconsin scored on that drive. They got some movement. There was one leak. They didn't play that guy that they rotated in almost the rest of the game. But the others got the rotation. Daw was in the rotation. Faltea was in the rotation. And they were able to rotate defenders. And one of the best moments that I saw that, you know, it was different than Arizona. Arizona just felt like they were more dominant against Arizona. It felt like they could wear out against Wisconsin. It was the final play of the game. It was a third and six or a third and eight, some situation like that. They rotated out because the, Wisconsin had gone on a bit of a drive. They rotated out, I think it was Faltea, and they brought in Brackenell Bakri at the left defensive end, rushing against the right offensive tackle for Wisconsin. And because he was fresh and because of the rotation through the game, you didn't grind them down. Wisconsin didn't have them on the ropes. They had a fresh body that came in and bull rushed that right offensive tackle put him right on his butt and went to strip on Hornibrook and forced the throw, which was then a quick release on a, on a post that was, that was too early thrown, and the receiver wasn't ready for the cut. And then, it's, and then it's a forced field goal and a missed field goal, and then history was made for BYU right there. So a little detail like that. You had a fresh body that is a motor-type defensive end that you rotated in after a rest in a crucial situation. Like those, those little moments yeah. are, are really valuable, and it's hard to see that when you're just watching the game. An entire defensive end wouldn't have tried to bull rush. 
That takes too much energy. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You would have yeah, tried you, your swim move or something. You would have tried a swim or an inside rush or, yeah, you would have been fatigued. But he just grabbed him, hands on the inside, put him right on his butt and, and swiped at Hornibrook. See, I've listened to you a lot. That was some pretty good D-line talk for a guy who never played D-line. It was really good, Sometimes I take notes. I listen. It was really good. Excellent uh, work by you. 420 texts for Kalani. Coaches love coaches. <laughs> 420 texts. After messages? the game, he had 420 texts. Wow. His phone. We hear that the wow. phone blew up after the win. Underline it for Kalani in this one. Yeah. I yeah. mean, everybody really happy. That well, was a deserved. big win for he the deserved. program. And that's a great win for Kalani. I'm yeah. very happy for Kalani. Always hope that he does well. And, and just a bit of insight on that. He said that he returned everyone, and I can verify. Because you got, he didn't you got return number 419? Every no, return number 422. <laughs> what was, what was, how many <laughs> he texted some guys twice before yeah, he got yeah. you I think I got one. In. But um, I do know five or six guys that, that did text him, and they did get the text back. And and he, I can't imagine how much time that would take. This, the whole I plane you, flight? I know you got the whole plane you know, bus, bus ride. And hey, plane. I mean, it's just like an emoji. You just... Hit the emoji and you send it. Do you How think you just had a bunch take? of copy and paste? <laughs> I hope not, because mine felt personal. Th thanks, dude. Yeah. Thanks, dude. <laughs> not, thanks to, dude. not to change topics, but do you think Coach Whittingham got 424 texts? Yeah, but just from 420 yeah. angry I, season ticket holders. Right, that's what I mean. Right. Are you really, you're, you're ready to get off this Wisconsin game? Because yes, I think you, <laughs> I am officially. I think he feels ready like he needs to take a move beating off. to make the show complete. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I don't feel like that. BYU uh, finally gets some time. By the, what I, can you I could say? make everybody mad by saying BYU's victory was a very Utah-like victory. Oh but maybe gosh. I'll save it. Maybe I won't say that. Well, uh, Kalani and Kyle share a lot. I mean, there's a lot to be said for that. If you, no, no, no. If you look at the, oh the Utes, if you look at the Utes taking down fifth-ranked Stanford, I think there, you know, a few yeah. years ago, there are some similarities there because they coached together for so long. Yes, they, absolutely. They share a football brain. But having said that, you're a you're a quarterback. Tyler Huntley can't say it because they're still his teammates. But as a quarterback, what does a quarterback think when that many passes are dropped? Well, it's it's very frustrating, and you talk with your guys, and you you know, each receiver is different mm -hmm. mentally, mentality-wise. So you have to you have to manage people differently. You have some receivers that you know need need a kick in the pants, and then that gets them. And you need some receivers that need to be Pat on the back. coddled a little yeah. bit. And maybe should be kickers, and then oh nice, and then hands was and then checking out until he saw the che <laughs> the, the, the kicker cheek, huh? and, and then you, and then you get them going. So it's it's frustrating, no no question about it. And in a game that's tight like that, and you're trying to figure out how to to make a play, and then you have the drop balls and the turnovers. It's very very frustrating. But if you lose it as the leader, then then you're done. The whole team loses it. So does anyone here still like the youths to win the Pac-12 South? Is yes. The South had enough problems. Yes. That it's still is it are they? Yes. The, the South is. Is it a is it a three-way race or is it a wide-open six-way race? Mm -hmm. I I think ASU and Cal or ASU oh, and Colorado have to be in the conversation with Utah, and then maybe you want to put some of the other three teams in too. Maybe Arizona, maybe SC. I'm, I think it's still uh, probably a three, maybe four-team yeah. race. I'm ruling but, out but, UCLA but I think, only. I think Utah is still firmly planted right where they need to be. Yeah. UCLA, you're only taking out UCLA? I'm taking them out for sure. Yeah, UCLA's out. You want to take Arizona, Arizona out? I don't think Arizona's really performing. I would take out that. UCLA and Arizona. Oh, okay. Really performing. Yeah, and so and you leave SC in. I would leave, leave SC. You'd leave SC in because of the talent, but, but they haven't performed well. That, that game against Texas was very, very average. The bye week, does that rejuvenate the Utes, you think, giving Kyle an extra week to uh, it gives, fix all the things that are not going right on offense? It, well, or to let that, the that would be hard, to, fix? be hard to 
fix things in a week. I, I mean, maybe you, you tweak it enough to, to get things going in the right direction. I think it's enough time for Britton Covey maybe to get healthy because that poor guy got beaten up in that, in that football game. And, and, you know, Zach Moss is, is injured. He's struggling a little bit, so he could use that week. And it is a good time for this Utah offensive staff to go back over these three games and say, where mm -hmm. did we do well, where have we not done well, and what is our game plan moving forward? Does Armand Shine get more carries? I don't know why he hasn't. I, I mean, it is a mystery to me why in three games he's had four carries. I don't, especially with Zach Moss struggling a little bit with yeah. injuries, not, you know, just struggling with injuries. So Kyle did say playing time is earned in practice. He didn't say Armand didn't practice well, but he certainly hinted at it. He suggested it, and no one asked about it. He volunteered that while being asked about Armand playing more. I can tell you one of the biggest areas of the game that will get you sat and take away some reps is blocking. And if he's, if he's not blocking in pass protection or he's not blocking in certain, in certain schemes or certain formations, that's the first thing that a coach is going to look at. And then the fumble in the first game is the second thing they look at. How reliable is he? Mm -hmm. So can we limit his reps because we're afraid that he's, he may have fumble fingers this year? He's not as good in blocking schemes. Th that, that's not something that I can confirm or deny right now until I go back and do some research on it, which I'm going to go back and look at this Washington film tonight and try to really dive into it. I, I've got to feel that there's something outside of just his ability to run that's keeping him off right. the field. Which makes me think you just put him in the game when you need him to run. Don't put him in the game when he has to play. And there's a logic to that. But <laughs> I as, I as know. a I'm defense, being a little, as a defense a once you know that with tight ends and running backs, it, it's a total giveaway to the play call. You throw out half the playbook based on who's in the game at tight end or running back if they're only going to one phase of the game. Well, I, all I know at this point is he is clearly the second best running back on the team. And the first best running back on the team is injured and not 100%. And you have to get more productivity out of the run game if you want to win these games. I still think the mix of run and pass is upside down. In Kyle's uh, press conference Monday, he said that he thought the offensive line took a big step forward and he thought they were nowhere near their ceiling. He thinks there's another big step. Do you see that much upside still in the play of the O-line? He said, and he used the word dominate, as in dominate games. Well, I think that there's still competitions. I, I feel like there's still competitions in different positions. Uh, you see Yamana continues to rotate in for Agasiva. You see that there was some type of switch where Ford was put out to the outside. Mm -hmm. Darren Paulo didn't play. Um, so you, you have rotations. You may have some injuries. You, you've got personnel issues still. So you haven't solidified your offensive line, which Means know, there's still upside available. That, yeah, going into that game probably should have it solidified, but you didn't. You, you thought you had to figure it out, but you didn't. And so, yeah, I do think there's more upside because once you find the five that want to play together, that stay healthy, then those five should continue to develop and play better together. And that thing is so orchestrated, especially in Jim Harding's offense. I also feel like Jim Harding's going to have quite a bit more influence on the run. I think he's going to have quite a bit more influence on maybe, maybe even dictate more the flow of the offense. I've got to imagine that Coach Whittingham at this point is kind of fed up with Troy Taylor, kind of, kind of done with it. You know, seven points, not enough. His comment in the postgame, you remember, Frank? Yes, You're the I one do. that brought it up. Yeah. What, what exactly did he say? It was something along the lines of if we only score seven points in the game, 
then we're going to have to hold our opponent to six. <laughs> and so that level of you sarcasm can, you can hear there. in the voice. Yeah. So yeah. I think that this is a guess that he's going to go to Harding and he's going to say, let's get some run schemes. Let's throw out a lot of these positional changes because you're seeing. Oh, he was clear on that. Yeah, too many position groups. Right. You're seeing yeah. receiver group Agreed. rotations. And so you're taking some of your best players off the field based on your formations. I think that slows down. I think the running schemes become more based and probably in some pole traps and some outside poles. And I think that Harding is going to have more influence. And I think that on that influence, we should see more from Armand Shine. So along with the fewer rotations and some of those, you know, the, the run scheme tweaks that you're talking about, I mean, doesn't Utah have to hope and pray that there is more in this offensive line? Because if there's not more in this offensive line, then I don't think that that they're going to win the South, and I don't think they're going to come out of the season. But Kyle was definitive well, that there was I, more in the O-line. I, I, he was, I hope that's the case because yeah. mm -hmm. if you look at what BYU did in, in their first three weeks, the games that they won, they were dominant at the yeah, offensive cool. line. Yeah. And then the defensive line, like, like Hans was talking about, this rotation and having a bunch of bodies to, to, to put in. If Utah's not or doesn't have the ability to be more dominant at the line of scrimmage, and I just don't think they're going to win a lot of games. The prediction segment uh, is going to be shorter because BYU's playing McNeese State. <laughs> You're not picking McNeese State. Don't say it, Frank. I, you know what? Frank. I picked, I've Frank. picked the opponent every time BYU has won, and I picked, the, I picked BYU when BYU, I picked BYU to beat Cal, and I picked Wisconsin, and I picked so Arizona. So you won for three. So I'm 0 for 3. So BYU fans should want you to pick McNeese State. Exactly. They could call you a U and Homer, which will, they will enjoy, and then right. they'll know BYU will win. So, so it works out for two. everybody. Okay. I mean, that seems to work out well for everybody. BYU. I'm going to pick the spread and go with McNeese State. That's how I'm going to do this. It's not even a spread on this game. <laughs> All right. Uh, Utah State is a 10-point favorite in the Mountain West Conference opener at home against Air Force. Against Air Force. Saturday night, ESPN2. You buy in the Aggies to cover, to win but not cover, to lose. Yeah. What do you expect? I expect them to win. Uh, and I expect them to win with the cover. When you're playing a team like Air Force, it comes down to having two or three really good outside presences. You've got to have some guys that clog the middle and are aware of the down traps and aware of the fullback traps and all those types of things that they do. But one of the most important aspects defensively that you have to have is two or three really good outside presences. And Tipa Naliai is one of the best in the Mount West Conference at upfield tackles, tackles for a loss, generating disturbance on traps and counters and all those things that Air Force loves to run. So I, I'm not looking at it so much from Love's point of view and the offense. I'm looking at it more at what the defense should be able to do. And I think that they hold Air Force to 20. Well, then they win. Maybe 24 points. Oh, my gosh. Then they win for sure. I mean, they lost 38-35 last year. They can't be in that kind of yeah, game. I, I, the I, offense I will get hold. their 30-35 points. Yeah, I like Utah State. Do you, does it feel like Hans is showing off sometimes with all the names he throws out constantly? <laughs> well, does it feel like that? To you? Hey, don't you say yes. You we have it, to work if together. You got it, flaunt it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if you got that poly really made down, rock yeah, solid, yeah. you know you're going to hammer it. I need all right, the weekly huddle. We're out of time. Make sure you join us again next week. We'll see you.